0: Welcome, new listeners, to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. I have been doing this podcast since April of 2013, and I have always been a podcast fanatic. I love listening to podcasts. I love hearing people talk about their lives. And the reason I started this podcast was at the time I was on a TV show called Chelsea Lately, where I was appearing nightly, making jokes about celebrities. And then people could also see me on Drunk History, where I was getting wasted talking about history. And nobody really seemed to know who I was. Did they think people thought I was drunk like that all the time? Or they thought, oh, Jen only cares about Lindsay Lohan. And I felt like, you know what? I really want people to know who I am. And unfortunately, when I was on the road a lot, people would be at my shows screaming out, let's get drunk or whatever. And I thought, oh, they don't really know me. I'm not that fun. And so as a joke, I said, I'm going to do a podcast called I Seem Fun, meaning, but I'm not. And then I called it the Diary of Jen Kirkman Podcast because it was supposed to be a once a week and it still is solo podcast where I talk about what went on with me during the week, whether it's serious or silly. You know, kind of cringy complaining, whether it's something going on in the world, something political. Oh, I've cried on this podcast. I've taken you guys deep into my life—breakups and get-back-togethers and family stuff. It's just like your friend talking to you who's rude and doesn't let you get a word in edgewise. And it's off the top of my head every week. I prepare briefly the topics I want to talk about, but that's it. It's just a fun, free-for-all where you can just see the real me and. uh I hope you enjoy it. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can listen on Google Play. You can listen on Stitcher. You can listen on SoundCloud. And uh, I'll give you a review from the Onion AV Club. What Makes I Seem Fun, The Diary of Jen Co... See, I can't even advertise my own fucking show. What makes I seem fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast funny, is Kirkman's inherent knack for cultivating conflict, even talking into a microphone in a room by herself. Whether she's dissecting a negative iTunes review from an angry Christian, or seriously considering a class action lawsuit against Robin Thicke for being gross, Kirkman is eternally embattled, but she tempers her cynicism with sweetness, and more often than not, she's right. That is from the Onion AV Club. So if you're curious, well, I guess you can start with this episode and go through the backlog. If you want to stay, here comes the podcast. You're about to get on the ride. I see the phone. I see the phone. The diary of Jeff I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 249. 249. Hello. How was your weekend? Did anything fun? A long weekend, three days. Now, two is normally how long it is, but there was three this time. So, oh, I need a vacation from the vacation. Even though it's Tuesday, it feels like Monday. Fucking worked all weekend and had a stomach thing. I don't even know. It wasn't like, oh God, I mean, as if anyone's going to, okay, we'll get to it. I had a stomach thing. It started, you know, I, my, the last week of my job in New York was last week. I flew home the 31st to LA and uh, I'll be in LA for a long time to come. And so I, I, uh, you know, just started to get a stomach ache. Now I'm chronically dehydrated. There's a medication I take that dehydrates me. And also like, if I don't start drinking water first thing in the morning, I'll wait till four to start. And then I'm... Water to me, privilege, privilege, privilege. I check it every 3,000 miles, but I still have it. I'd feel like a complete asshole. I know Flint, Michigan. I know... Listen, I know people are dying for water. I find the amount we're supposed to drink to be oppressive. And yes, I put things in it: lemon, fresh lemon. I put cucumber. I put electrolyte powder. Like it's—it's just a lot of. It doesn't matter. Nothing tastes. Nothing interests me about water. I have my palate is set for coffee, and that's it. It's just how and tea. It's just how it is. Just my little tiny, tiny cross to bear in life. But uh. Like if I was Jesus going through wherever he went with his cross, it would just be me with a giant water bottle. Like I'll carry it myself to fulfill the words of the prophets. Um, yeah, I just find it a chore. It does. I don't even want to get into it. But so I noticed that, uh, you know, and I, I was doing some, like a lot of, I was falling in love again, falling in love again. Is that a song with hot yoga? I think because I don't know what it was. It just felt good to my body. I I normally get very angry in yoga, but um, I really like this place, Core Power Yoga. It's a solid one-hour class. You go to Core Power Yoga Level 2, and it's just a nice series of um, flow poses and whatever things, and it's in the heat, and there's something about the sweating. It just feels good. And, uh, I, sometimes I go through phases where I hate yoga, where I take chair pose and it brings out this anger in me that I'm like, rah, um, and I, I was just going, and also it was like easy to walk to from the apartment I was staying in in Brooklyn. So I think I might've just dehydrated myself and it caught up to me and, you know, like we eat at work, like we get catered food from a restaurant or there's, it just, not that I, not that I even cook at home. BT dubs. I don't cook, but I make, I pick and I gather. And, you know, I'm like a little bird in my kitchen with my little lettuces and vegetables and I'll heat this up or I'll cool this down. I do my own little version, but it's, you know, it's like from the grocery store too. It's not like from a restaurant where it's, I just think I just got like, my salt intake was just crazy. And I really feel like I threw myself into like a hormonal thing. So I couldn't tell which way was up. And when you're a lady and your stomach hurts, you don't know, is this my stomach, like my colon, or is this my uterus? And I don't get period cramps. I'm a lucky person, but I had something going on where it felt like somebody was inside just squeezing me, but it didn't feel like kidneys, but didn't feel like this. I don't know what it was. I just know it was uncomfortable, but I wasn't throwing up or nauseous and I wasn't the other thing. And I wasn't, I don't know. I took a lot of peppermint pills and all kinds of stuff. And it, it took a few days, but I thought, you know, I just need to kind of flush my body out. And I went on the brat diet, you know, banana, rice, applesauce, so- apple toast. But um, but of course, you know, like I would tell people, uh, oh, I'm just feeling, they go, oh, should I not eat in front of you? I'm like, no, I'm not nauseous. I just have a stomach ache. And if I eat, I will immediately feel like I've been filled with air. So I'm just, uh, I, I need to give my stomach a rest. Like, oh, I hate that you can't even just like, if someone tells you they don't feel well and gives a symptom, just shut up. Just shut up. You don't have to like assume what they need or give advice. Just be quiet. Why can't everyone be, I want to play racquetball with y'all, not tennis. You know what I mean? Just shut up and let me serve the ball. Bounce it back to me. I don't need your spin on it. In certain situations, now most situations I like to have a conversation Anyway, I am just starting to get back on the mend, but I spent this weekend, I have a script due. I I sold a script somewhere. Um, I don't know why it's... I I actually don't care that it hasn't been announced because it's only a world of pain for me when I sell a script. Because the way it gets printed, the the, the agents, they do this because they want it to... Jen Kirkman in development with the blah, blah, blah network for a show starring her about a girl who can't stop having a stomach ache. And everyone's like, congratulations on your show. I can't wait to see it. I'm like, it's a script deal. You fuck. There's 19 more steps till it becomes a show. Congratulations on your continued success in season four of The Girl with a Stomachache. Oh, forget it. You start getting emails. It sounds like things are going well for you. That's the worst way to start an email. That doesn't sound passive aggressive or anything. But I just thought I'd put my resume in. There's no show. I still get resumes for the Mighty Quinn. If you need a makeup artist, I'm like, <laughs> it was never a show. It was always just a script. I don't know why the language can't just say. She has a script deal, meaning she will write a script and then we will decide if it becomes a pilot. And then if it becomes a pilot, then we will decide if it becomes a thing. Do not bother the person this article is about for a job. She does not have one. She barely just bought herself one. And now she's home alone writing a script and there is no staff for that. Uh, Please do not bother her. She has not showered all day and she's losing her mind. That's what I would like the release to say. You think it's glamorous, it's not. It only feels good in the room. So I so, I don't, listen, I, I'll give you some hints. I went to another country this summer to pitch a show, and now I'm writing a script. So you do the math. But uh, it's only exciting in the room when you're like, and anyway, so you do your 15-minute thing. This show is about a girl, and she jumps up and down so crazily that she becomes airborne and she flies all over the world. And this show is going to show you her adventures. Here are some episode examples. One, blah, 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 blah. here are the characters. This is based on my real life. Cause one time I flew around the world with one arm and they're like, oh my God. Well. And if they like it, they'll go, let's do it. And then that means we're going to offer you money to write a script. And it feels good for 20 minutes. And then you're like, oh, I have to write a script now. <laughs> so that's where I was all weekend with this weird stomach thing. And I was putting a hot water bottle up to my stomach. And then my heart was beating in my abdomen, which I swear I have felt a thousand times before. And I know that we can feel our pulse in different places, but this actually didn't feel like, oh, this is just a little residual pulse. It felt like I have an extra heart in my abdomen and I didn't think anything of it. And then, um, I was like, let me just Google it though because I wanted to see if it would indicate what kind of stomach virus I might have. And it was like, you have an aortic aneurysm, like the aorta, the thing that pumps blood into your heart has gone down into your stomach. It's leaking and it'll erupt and you're going to die. And then the next article would be the complete opposite. Like some people have that, you know, it was like this one, person was like, if you're really young and thin, I'm like, well, I'm not really young and I'm thin, but not so thin that I'm having medical issues about it. So, you know, I, my stomach is not necessarily like this, you know, a uh, b- bag of bones. So, but then I could see when I lay down, I can see my heart beating in my stomach. It's pulsing like some kind of horror movie, like some alien's going to come out of it. So I'm saying that like, I just made that up. Oh, what if an alien came out of a stomach? I know that that's literally what a movie was called Alien, which I don't think I ever saw. You should see it. Well, you know what? I, I'm well aware it exists. And I think I have a gist of what it's about. And if I haven't seen it, I'm not into it. You know what I'm saying? Plenty of other things I can see that I'm sure we'd agree on. <sighs> anyway, I don't know what that was, but the heartbeat has lessened. Um, maybe a baby got lodged up in me years ago. And she just never was born. I don't. It's a girl, I can tell. And she was like, I like it in here. I'm like, I don't blame you, sweetie. Um, You know? So anyway. Anyway. The I Seem Fun Podcast has a secret Facebook group. Well, it's closed. It's not secret. But if you go to facebook.com slash I Seem Fun Podcast, and you can see the pinned tweet that provides the link to get into this group. And, oh, we talk about all kinds of things in there. I'm in there. It is super fun. You know, we might even talk about things like I was just talking about. Like, you should see the movie Alien. Like, there's discussion groups. You know, what movies do you always tell people to see and they don't listen to you? Or what do you guys, there's a lot of confessions in there. I really love the group. Um, That being said, I haven't checked it in a couple days. But that's, again, because I've had an alien in my stomach and a script to write. So I finished a draft and I'm looking at it while I'm writing it. I'm like, oh, I love this little moment between these two. And, oh, this character's coming to life. It's just coming out of me. I don't know where this is coming from, but I, Olivia is really becoming a well-rounded character. And then I read the whole draft And I'm like, wow, I wrote a draft. And then I'm like, this is terrible. This is awful. I can't send this to people. What if they read it? And then they'll realize I'm terrible. And this is awful. And I suck at writing. And this is so boring. My thing is like, there's all these rules. You know, there's all these rules when you're writing a script. It's like what motivates her in this scene? Like I want, I took this scene out. I took this scene out in my script that I'm writing, but I wanted a scene where the character like just had a bad thing happen and she's depressed. And so she wants to buy a pack of cigarettes and it's been a long time and she's in London and she's buying the pack and the guy's like, you know, 10 pounds. And she's like, whoa, I used to pay 75 cents, which she's like, sorry, I'm American and old. And he's like, we never sold them in cents. And she's like, no, forget it. Like, and there's a whole misunderstanding. And she's like, do you have matches? And he's like, what's that? And she's like matches, you know, and I do my joke about matches that you may have heard me talk about on this podcast. And he's like, what? And, and, you know, it's just like a little scene, but it doesn't have any point. Like the cigarettes don't come back later for like an important thing or It's not like she needed to be in the convenience store for another reason and we just segue real quick to the little cigarette moment. But it's like things like that that I'm like, but that's a funny scene. I don't care that it's not propelling the character onto this, you know. Um, And, of course, there are moments in a script where you can totally have a rando, bedando minute like that. Like there's a scene where she's drinking at the bar with... Her friend from work, and she's like, You know, I really feel like I'm gonna do this and do that. And, you know, I don't know, does that sound sexist? And the guy next to her, and this is from my act, he's got his head on the bar and he goes, Sexist, my girlfriend died in the bath. I don't know if you guys know that story. I've told it on the podcast when it happened, and then I've recently done it as stand up. But when I was in London once, my girlfriends and I were having some drinks, and these guys were hitting on us, and we went to the bartender and we said, these guys are hating on us. Can you get them to stop? We're just trying to go out together. And the bartender was like, I can't make anyone do anything. And I was like, oh, great. So just be sexist. And this guy had had his head on the bar the whole time. And he picked it up and he goes, sexist, you women think you got all the problems. Men have problems too. My girlfriend died in the bath. And then he put his head back down. And it was like the funniest and most bizarre thing that ever happened. And I've always wanted to put that in a script. So I put that little rando moment in. So it's like the characters at the bar talking to a work friend, we're seeing that their relationship is established earlier. She'd been like, you're just a work friend. I don't talk to you about anything. And then in this scene, it's like, okay, they're having a heart to heart. So that's a little interesting thing for their relationship. And then she's, um, talk, you know, has to make a big decision. And so we need that scene while she talks through the decision. And then just a little comedic interlude that little in the bath moment happens. And then we go back to the scene. So if it makes sense, you know, I will throw in a little rando moment like that. But for me, there's all these rules like, oh, well, if she's gonna get back together with Johnny, like we have to have a mislead right before that. I'm like, why? Like, I just, there's all these things. And I'm like, maybe I want to write the world's most boring show where it's just realistic dialogue and, emotional situations, which is what I want to do. And I know I'm good at it because I am a vat of emotion and I'm good at dialogue and I'm just so raw of a person that I know that I could write something really affecting, but maybe it's too hard to do in a sitcom script. I don't know, but I'm really hoping that, yeah, like I've just written so many things where it just turns into like hokey pokey, dokey, dokey, and which is fine, but I would just for once like to just try, like just somebody film this and let's just see if it works. Like I really, really feel that people can sit and listen to conversation. Again, we've proven it with podcasts. People sit and listen to interviews, you know? And um, yeah. So oh, maybe you find, that's, she lets us into her life. She lets us into her art. So anyway, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Is it a stomach ache? Is it perimenopause? Is it pericomo? Is it crooner pericomo in my stomach? I don't know who pericomo is. It doesn't matter. Okay, send an email to Iseemfun at gmail.com. I'm going to be doing some more advice episodes with my friend Allison. And I figure we would get your holiday needs met. So... I'm thinking like maybe we'll do a Thanksgiving special, a Christmas special, and a New Year's special. So if you want advice about how you're going to do the holidays different this time emotionally, you know, Thanksgiving dinner advice, conversations, or if you see old friends or how to feel good if you're staying home alone on Thanksgiving or Christmas, like how to deal with gifts if you can't afford them or not spending time with family or spending time with family or what do you do in a relationship? Do you bring them home to meet the family or fun crafts on a budget or whatever you need advice on or New Year's special? What are your goals for the new year that you gave up on already this year and what do you need help with. So if you want to get advice, and we're gonna tape these sooner rather than later. So hopefully you can send them within the next two or three weeks, but it's um the Thanksgiving special, the Christmas special, and the New Year special, and send it to seem Fun uh what is it? I seem fun at gmail.com and uh, yeah we'll go from there. So I think that the Christmas special and the Thanksgiving special will air a few weeks before the holidays so that you can actually take the advice we give. And then the New Year's special will probably air, um, as an extra episode on New Year's Eve. Um, I was going to say New Year's Day, but New Year's Eve, because I know a lot of people like to stay home on New Year's Eve and I'll even release it December 30th for our international friends who are a day ahead. So I really hope that you guys send us some advice. I seem fun at gmail.com. I mean, send us some questions and just put in the subject heading Thanksgiving, Christmas, or New Year's. Um, if you can't decide, just figure it out. We can help figure it out for you. So that's that. Um, oh, I would say watch my special Just Keep Living on Netflix, give it a thumbs up, recommend it to people. All episodes of this I Seem Fun podcast that you're listening to are also available. I don't know how you're listening, but we're on iTunes. Please subscribe, give it a review, give it five stars. We're on SoundCloud and we're on Libsyn and we're on Spotify and we are on Google Play and uh, go to allthingscomedy.com. I am part of the All Things Comedy Network. Thank you, Al Madrigal and Bill Burr, for starting the All Things Comedy Network. And what else? What else? else? Oh, God, tickets, tickets. I got some tickets. So tickets are on sale right now for um, my last two lab test shows in Los Angeles. So October is not going to be a new material show. It's not going to be working it out. It's going to be me doing a new hour, but you may have seen some of this hour before if you've come to the workout shows, but now I'm doing it all together and I'm taking some things that I've never done on TV before, but maybe some things I've done live before and I'm putting it all together for a new one hour and there's going to be some people coming out to see it. So I need to pack that show. So that one is in October and the date of that is Tuesday, October... 23rd, and it's at 7 30 p.m. So, by the time this episode airs, I want you to check ticket sales the next day and see this sold out. Um, I think it's 12 or 15 bucks, and I'd really, it's $12, 18 plus. The place only seats 50 people. So, let's sell it out so that I can rest easy, that we're going to have a good crowd. And if you want to come to another, you know, just the normal working it out, um, I'll have two friends opening for me as well. And you can come see us at the Hollywood Improv Lab on Tuesday, September. When is it? When is it? When is it? Tuesday, September 25th at 7.30 p.m. So, my babies. Um, yeah, there's that. Okay, so what was I gonna say to you? What was I gonna say? Well those oh, so San Francisco, that that just went on sale. And in the first day we sold a hundred tickets and it only seats about four hundred, so You can see it's going fast. It's uh, Sunday, November 11th, Veterans Day weekend. So I don't think you have to get up early the next day. I don't know what kind of job you have or if you maybe get that Monday off. But 7 o'clock, let's do this. In, out, we're good. And um, I would love it to sell out in advance because if it does, I can add a second show. And that means I make more money. And that's what everything I do is about, making money to feed my family. And then uh, November 10th, the night before, I'm in Sacramento at Harlow's Nightclub, and I love that place. I haven't. I think the last time I was there was 2015 or 2016. Um, I hope you all can come out. And if you're even in the area of Sacramento, that's probably the closest I'm ever going to be to that. Um, that those ticket sales are a little slumpy to dumpy, so I could really use the support because I don't know if you're all going to show up that night. And so, if there's any way you can buy tickets in advance, JK Livin would appreciate it. Go to jenkirkman.com, click tour dates and you will get all the info you need. You can also call all of these venues as well, I guess, if you need if you need a human connection. Um, and then Vermont Comedy Club. I'll be in Burlington, Vermont, October uh, 11th through 13th. That's five shows. It's a small venue. It only seats 160. So I would get your tickets soon. The Saturday night early show is always the one that sells out. It probably we'll sell out soon. So I would pack up all the other shows if you really want to know, um, you know, if you're block- boxed out of that one, but, um, that's going to be great. And you know, spend a weekend in Vermont, the foliage people, the foliage alone. And then when the sun sets, you come see JK. I think it's going to be fantastic. And I just lo- I just fucking adore the people that run the Vermont comedy club. There's this wonderful couple. Um, they come from a comedy background. They love, the art form. They're super feminist. See, we've got to get you guys supporting the right venues because the right venues help churn out the right kind of culture. They help support comedians that, um, I don't mean need a voice like, Oh, these needy people don't have any fan base. That's not what I mean, but like we want to amplify their voices. And the best way to do that is to support venues that, um, do not allow for harassment that do not allow just any old creep to get up on stage and have a comeback mm-hmm. and they're wonderful venues that make me feel safe and protected and they treat the comics really well they pay them really well the hospitality is fantastic you know um, they are not trying to get something for nothing and I just really really want you to support the Vermont comedy Club so if you're thinking oh I want to go on a road trip to see Jen, this is the time to do it. And this is the place to do it. And it's a wonderful venue and you can pretty much be assured that if you're the liberal lefty leaning type who wants to just relax and have a good night at a show and not worry about if a dude's going to come on and be like, Hey, you women, you you pussies. Like it's not going to happen there. It's just not going to happen. Um, I actually have the, probably the most chance of offending you by accident at that club. So, that's good. I want you to go to that, jenkirkman.com click tour dates. Take it really seriously what I'm saying about the venues to support... I will be part of the New York City Comedy Festival. I'm coming back to Brooklyn. I don't have ticket sales yet, but hold the date November 5th. I'm at the Bell House. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I think a combination of old stuff. I might just like improvise. Just keep it jazz, baby. Just what am I saying? Hey, but it's the night before midterm elections, So I think the energy will be insane. It could be the last night of our democracy. Who knows? And I'd love to spend it with you in New York. And what else do I have going on? Of course, the Jen Kirkman Dysfunctional Christmas Show. Oh my God, plans are already in Z Works. And that is Thursday, December 6th at the Hollywood Improv. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys, it sells out every year. Last year was so beautiful. And, you know, we throw candy and we unironically celebrate the joy of Christmas in our own way. It's for all the misfits out there that just don't like their family parties, don't like their office Christmas parties. They don't like the season normally, but you can secretly enjoy it for 90 minutes with me. And uh, you don't feel left out if you're not married or if you're not rich or if you're not this. All the thing, all the shit that comes up for you during the holidays, like we just take that and we put it on the shelf when we walk into the Jen Kirkman Dysfunctional Christmas Show and we laugh at dark stories and dark jokes and we just get silly and we also get appreciative. It's, it's, it's great. So... There's that. Um, all right. I just want to do a quick thing. Hang on. I want to write myself. Okay. So the whole point of last week's hotel story, when I was like, the guy told me I should buy property in Miami and all this, there was a whole point to the story that I never got to, because it's the, I seem fun podcast. Why would I ever Makes sense. So last week, you're probably like, "Why is she so upset?" Just because this guy was, you know, I guess the small talk was kind of annoying. But he says to me, "Why? You know, why do you have all this luggage for one night?" And I said, "Well, it's not really one night. I've been here for two months. I, I sort of live half in New York right now for work." And he goes, "Oh, where do you, where where's home?" And I said, "Los Angeles," which still seems so weird because I'm from Boston. But I've literally now lived in Los Angeles. 18 years almost. And I lived in Boston 24. So I'm almost like more time here than Boston. And certainly, uh, it's the only place as an adult I've chosen to live and lived the longest in, you know, without leaving. So something must be working. I tell you, it's not the weather. I am so over being a warm weather person. I just think it's, I don't know what, perhaps those hot flashes that come and go. So The whole point was when I said, he goes, oh, you must be in show business if you are going back and forth from New York to Los Angeles. I said, I am. And he said, actress. And I kind of hesitated because it's like, do I want to get into like, yes, I act. And I'm also an author and I'm a comedian. Like I just said, oh, uh, no writer. I write for TV. He goes, hey, nothing wrong with that. Don't put yourself down. Writing is very important was without writing, what would the actors say? I'm like, yeah, I'm not upset. I'm not upset that I'm a TV writer. Like it's a fucking killer job that most people can't get. And no one was upset about it. Like you would never talk to a man that way. Just picture it. Just go with me in a little machine. Just get in the machine, get comfortable, get your popcorn, watch a movie. Here it goes. There's the real, imagine a man, a 44 year old man, Okay. No, he might look older than me. He might let his gray show because he's a man. You know, women. I don't really want men to show, so I dye it. So this guy is distinguished gray. We call it distinguished when it's a dude. And uh, he's sitting there and waiting for the elevator. And this guy goes, "Uh oh, you have a lot of luggage for just one night." First of all, I don't even think that comment would be made. Can you just picture a guy saying that to a guy? Just really picture it. Like, uh, even if he did comment on it, I think it, he would comment on it with an assumption. Like, oh, where are you headed? Somewhere for a while? You know, it, it wouldn't be like, I'm confused. But okay, so yeah, well, I live in New York and L.A. Oh, are you in the business? Yeah, yeah. What do you do? Uh, A writer. Oh, that's cool, man. Like how long have you been doing that? You know, you know, that's how it would go. Now just picture two men talking. So you live in New York and LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you must be in the business. Yeah. What do you do? Oh, I'm a writer. Hey man, don't put yourself down. You know, writing's very important. I mean, without writing, what would the actors say? Can you see a man saying that to another man can you see a man even attempting to say that to another man? No. But let's just say the man did attempt saying it to another man. Do you think he even make it through the second sentence before the other man punches him in the fucking face? And that's what I think of you men. I think you punch each other when you can't, when you need to communicate dist- distaste. I mean, it's just every goddamn second with the microaggressions, I can't take it. And I know you're saying, Jen, why don't you learn to take it better? And I'm saying, y'alls, why don't you learn to stop doing it better? <laughs> Oh, she's got so many good points. Y'all ready for this? Sorry. Okay. You know what? I don't want to hear any of your bullshit. This is misandry. I liked the show until the misandry started. Is it misandry or misandry? I'm not really asking. Of course, I'm going to get 10 emails. This is how, uh, technically, technically, this is how you pronounce misandry. How good would it have been if I had that story queued up and then, and then did this? Yeah, so why don't you I'll stop being sexist better? What? Okay. All right. Everybody calm down. Everybody calm down. Why do I love this song so fucking much? I fancy myself an intellectual. I read Oscar Wilde. Sometimes you just need a release, right? Can't be thinking all the time with these Leonard Cohen lyrics. Sometimes you just need a repetitive thing like this with someone going, y'all ready for this? Yeah. Okay. There's two more minutes of that. All right. All right. All right. People, people, I am so excited. Speaking of, I don't know what I was going to say, speaking of, but I got it. Well, first of all, I made a mistake on one of the last podcasts, I was talking about our fabulous sponsor, Fab Fit Fun, And I said their boxes were $4.99. And I think you knew that they're not $4.99. They're $49.99. And, and, I, and I made a mistake. But I do want to tell you, so I am super into subscription boxes, which is this whole new thing out there where, you know, beauty editors and editors of magazines about fitness and people who are in the know, like this is the next big hot product or the current big hot product. These people put boxes together and there's all different kinds of, you know, you can get a subscription service for like something with clothing or whatever, but my favorite one. Is Fab Fit Fun, and I can't believe they're a sponsor. It's like finding out that a band you like knows what you do for a living and likes it. Although they didn't say we like your podcast, they're just like, we're, we're gonna advertise on it. So Fab Fit Fun is a subscription box. You get it four times a year, quarterly, seasonally, and the highly anticipated fall box is now on presale for fabfitfun.com. So it's a seasonal subscription box that delivers full-sized fashion, beauty, home, fitness, and wellness products. It's delivered four times a year for just $49.99 a box. There are no sample sizes of anything. It's a fantastic value. Most of the individual value of each product is more than the entire cost of the box. And this is absolutely true. Uh, For example, and these are spoilers because the full box has yet to be revealed, but you're going to get a glam glow bubble sheet mask. You're going to get more than one. A beauty blender. Um, uh, There's going to be the ability to choose between a a tote bag or a um, six-piece brush set. Uh, but that's all going to happen when you become a member, you will find out all that information. But I'm telling you like the last box I had was like this really fancy big jar hand lotion and this beautiful leather, like sleep mask. I'm going to take a picture of it. All kinds of things that I would use all the time in all different, you know, areas of life, wellness, beauty, fitness. The total retail value of the fall box is over $275. So that's, you're going to get that. For $49.99, but there's also a special offer for my listeners, so it's going to be even less. The FabFitFun Fall Box is in very limited supply. These boxes always sell out. Use my code Kirkman, K-I-R-K-M-A-N, to get $10 off your first box. Your first box is going to be $39.99. Go to fabfitfun.com, F-A-B-F-I-T-F-U-N.com dot com to sign up and start getting the box for a life well lived. Use promo code Kirkman to get ten dollars off your first box. That's only two hundred dollars. That's over two hundred dollars, sorry, for only thirty-nine ninety-nine. Over two hundred dollars worth of things for thirty-nine ninety-nine. Go to fabfitfun.com. Use my code Kirkman to get ten dollars off your first FabFitFun box. And what I love about it is you get it quarterly. So you know, you've got a holiday in there, you've got a birthday, and, and imagine all the gifts you get from people. You're like, I don't want this. Every time you open a Fab Fit Fun box, it's like getting gifts from someone who knows you so well beyond how well you know yourself. It's like, oh my God, how did they know I was going to need this? And you just get a box of fancy things. It's like gonna you're gonna start hating everyone in your life on the holidays or your birthday. You're gonna be like, all of you suck at giving gifts. I give myself the gift of Fab Fit Fun four times a year and you're just going to get awesome stuff for way 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 less money. It's like basically someone sending you a box of stuff for free the way I look at it. Go to fabfitfun.com. Oh my god. And I in in our little chat group, somebody was like, "Should I really get the Quip toothbrush and all these listeners were like, "We totally use Quip." So, I got to tell you. If you are thinking of using Quip, just know that a bunch of I-seam funners are loving it. I still have my Quip if you're like, "What is Quip? What are you talking about?" Well, here you can read along with me. Go to getquip.com/fun. G E T Q U I P dot com/fun, and uh, it's a, it's a it's not just a toothbrush. It's a it's a whole new system of doing things. It's a subscription service toothbrush. So so here's how it goes. First of all, this thing was named in like you know uh, the Oprah's O List and Time Magazine's best inventions. So. Quip has combined dentistry and design to make a better electric toothbrush and a really snazzy, cool looking one. They're a slim design. They're not bulky like the, you know what brands, and you don't have to like put them on a charger or anything like that. And I have a slim one and there's a little like sticky thing, but not the kind of sticky where it peels off your mirror and makes it all sticky. Nothing like that. It just boop attaches to your mirror. It looks super cool. Uh, There's a cover so you can take it with you also as your travel toothbrush so here's the deal. It packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at the fraction of the cost of bulkier or traditional brushes. And there's a little guiding pulse. So it like when it stops, it and it stops and starts, you know, Oh, I switched to this side of my mouth. So you brush, brush, and then the pulsing stops. And then you move to the other quadrant of your mouth and then it starts again. And uh, yeah. And here's the deal. So it's a subscription plan. So you get new brushes on the dentist-recommended schedule, delivering new brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. It's backed by a network of over 10,000 dental professionals, and uh, it was named, yeah, Time Magazine's Best Invention of the Year. So if you go to getquip.com slash fun... Quip starts at just 25 bucks. If you go right now, you will get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So, you're get, you can get toothpaste, you can get uh, refill heads on your toothbrush and it's just sent to you. So, you never have to be like, my toothbrush is looking pretty fucking skanky right now. Uh, oh, I don't want to go to CVS. You don't have to. It comes to you every 3 months. You don't even have to think about it. And uh yep, so you don't have to worry about getting new brush heads or toothpaste. They're delivered right to your door on schedule. The toothpaste tastes delightful and minty. And I mean, we got to do this people. It's, it's love at first brush, com slash fun. And as you know, I'm, uh, recovering from a real crazy bleach job I had on my little bleached pieces and, um, I've been using my suave. I love it. I I really love the way my little bleached pieces look, but I hate the damage. <laughs> That bleaching causes, and of course, I blow my hair dry as well, and I use uh, you know a hot iron, so the suave coconut oil infusion that's right, suave shampoo, they have a money back guarantee, try it for yourself, suave for hair, you can believe. I personally like damage repair, suave coconut oil infusion, shampoo, and conditioner. it makes my hair look so smooth and healthy, you know when you you have to blow dry your hair to make it silky. Sometimes you can just, now this isn't for every, you know, I happen to have straight hair. So I'm just saying when I get out of the shower, I'm just like, it can air dry and it looks healthy. You know, it just has that. It's just like it tames your hair. It just like gives it a hug. It's like, calm down, calm down, calm down. It looks silky. It looks healthy. It actually works. Again, don't take my word for it. Go get some. They give you a money back guarantee. If you want to be a little, a little like, uh, you know, consumer report about it, you know, use it. If you don't like it, tell them. But I I think you're not even going to have to do that. Get down, get down, get down, get down to the store, get it suave for hair. You can believe I personally like damage repair, suave coconut oil infusion. Give it a little TLC with the shampoo and conditioner. It will smooth your hair. All right. So, yeah, I had a birthday. I turned 44. So I was sick on my birthday, sick. And which was totally fine. I was just so tired. Like again, when you don't really live somewhere and I was in a hotel for the last week of my job and I love the hotel I was staying in, but I was just tired, you know? And I just like got home from work at like seven or so. And I just, I said, you know what I really want to do? This, this to me, planning ahead for a birthday is like being in, a long distance relationship. So I remember when I lived in Boston in the nineties, my boyfriend at the time, um, also lived in Boston, but we were both comedians. And I was like, I'm going to move to New York. And he was like, okay, I'll eventually get there, but we'll do long distance before I get there. Great. Well, you know, I had a temp job and I was pounding the pavement every night doing gigs and Yeah, I would get tired on the weekends. I was just like burnt, you know, and, or sometimes I'd like book a gig that was really cool on a Saturday night. And, and, uh, and even though my boyfriend was a comedian, like every once in a while, we'd like to do things not related to comedy, you know? And so anyway, we'd make a plan like a week in advance for him to come to New York. And sometimes by the time that weekend rolled around, it was like, as much as I loved him and wanted to be with him, it was like, I'm actually not in the mood today to like have someone stay with me and blah, 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 and try to go on a date. It was like, oh, long distance is hard because you can't actually spontaneously just hang out or cancel a plan the way you can in a local relationship. And so that's sort of what birthdays remind me of. It's like, how do you know how you're going to feel on the actual day? You know, like, Did I tell that long distance story last week? Because it's not even a story. It's just like an example and it's not even interesting. So I'm sorry if you had to sit through it twice. But as she gets older, her brain will not remember things. So I'm thinking, like, I wasn't in the mood, but what I was in the mood for that night, I was like, I want to blast the air conditioning to where it's Arctic cold, to where when I get up to pee, I'm like, (laughs) and I want to get under this cover and I want to watch HGTV. And that's what I felt like doing. And so that's what I did. And I loved it. And I got to tell you, I got super hooked on this show called like Texas Flip and Flop. Wait, what is the name of it? I almost can't believe Texas Flop HGTV. Texas Flipper flop Fort Worth. No, it wasn't that. I was on the DIY network. It was on the DIY network. I don't know how I started watching it. Texas flip, Texas flip and move. It's like these people go to an auction and they stand in front of a tiny house that you could like take away on a platform truck. And there's an auctioneer. who's like, twenty, twenty-five, 25, 25 and they'll buy a house for like three hundred dollars. But they're not allowed to look inside. And then you get inside, and you're like, oh my god! And it's people who flip and do construction for a living. It's not like you and your husband and family who need a new house would just do this. But so they, and then they try to flip it, and then they auction the house off again. And you know, people are buying it for like thirty grand or something. I just fell in love with it. It's like this big old chubby guy. And he's like, yeah, now I get like, if you showed me him and said, this guy's going to design a house for you, I'd be like, no, thanks. And he designed beautiful houses, you know, um, things that a lady would like, like he just had a good eye for things and, oh, we're going to use this. And, but then he had this helper guy that helps him. That was like a modern day Gilligan from Gilligan's Island or like a modern day. Ernest goes to camp, whatever that guy's name was from the 80s. And he was just like, okay, boss. Like I am on one hand, like terrified of these people. Like all I can think of is like, who did they vote for? And like, maybe Trump isn't even right wing enough for them. You know, I didn't know. And then I was also like, I could also see them being like a woman's place is in the house of representatives. Uh, You know, I don't know. I don't know. And that's sort of what I enjoyed about it. But then I also watched, I did go back to, to HGTV and watched a little, um, I don't know. Just one of those shows, all the shows, property brother, whoever it was, people making their houses nice. And it was a beautiful, beautiful time. I mean, I was, yeah, my stomach started hurting like immediately after work and I didn't even eat like a special birthday dinner or I would birthday cake at work. Um, I just wasn't in the mood, but it's like, people were like, I hope you're doing something. And then there was people that were like, well, I hope at least you're doing something like kind of, a, you know, a self reflective thing. I'm like, I sort of, I mean, sometimes I'm like literally doing nothing, like not even nothing in a, so I can reflect way, like legit nothing. And I think I needed to do that. You know, it was glorious and I kind of got addicted to it. I'm like, can to do this again tomorrow night? And I did it the next night too. And then of course <clears throat> on my birthday, God dropped me the gift of Louis CK going back on stage. Um, unannounced to do rape whistle jokes. That's cool. He's learned a lot about his behavior. And so my Twitter was blowing up. And uh, as my case got relitigated, you didn't handle it well enough. You should, you know, the way I talked about my abuse and the way I tried to backtrack about revealing his name so that I could stop the harassment, because uh, I didn't feel I needed to out him for saying creepy things to me, but I wanted to talk about the culture of that happening to women. And that's why I talked about it. Um, that when someone talks creepy to you and you've heard rumors that they physically assaulted other people, you make decisions about if you want to be around them or not. And if you don't want to be around certain comedians, then you're taking yourself out of certain comedy scenes. And you see what I mean? You start to, it's different for women in comedy in that sense. We don't always have a seat at the table. So. That's always what I've always been only talking about. And I never said his name when I talked about it in the past, because when you say someone's name, the story becomes about them and their fame and it becomes a sexy story. And your story as a woman that you're trying to tell gets lost. It doesn't matter who the name is sometimes it matters what I'm saying. And then if we find out actually, Oh wait, someone with the name who's making money off of being this self-reflective guy has actually hurt women. I know has hurt their careers you know, um, that I know now I didn't really know then. So yes, eventually you say the name, but, but for me, I didn't have any truck to tell anyone, Hey, I heard a rumor. He did this because what kind of thing is that to, to hang my hat on? I, I didn't know. I didn't know if they were true. And I, then there was a whole level of well, the rumors are true, but the women he did it to, like they actually don't care and it's fine and they don't want to bring it up. And I was like, okay, you know, that was the second floating rumor. And this is like, tw- this is about stuff that happened 12, 13 years ago. So after a while I was like, I guess everyone's fine. So I'm just going to shut the fuck up. And Louis apologized to me and all right. Like, you know, and then it just came out. Like, of course, right after I said some kind of stupid statement, like he's my friend, it's fine. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So it was, you know, he's back on stage and, and, um, it's not so much about can't he have a redemption? It's like, why is everyone obsessed with that right away? And, and I'm not going to speak eloquently about this and I'm not going to speak about it. So that that's why I'm just kind of like running through it really quickly. But to me, the real story is how did culture change for women in the nine months that he's gone? Because I'm not litigating how much time he needs to be away or if he should go on stage or shouldn't. I mean, in my opinion, he should talk about what he did because he was talking about what he was doing anyway on stage. You know, he was revealing who he was and now he's going to be quiet. That seems weird. Um, You know, maybe it was only a thrill when it was a secret thing he was doing. I don't fucking know, you know. But uh, in general, I would say that um, I was hoping, you know, and we had Hannah Gadsby slide in during that time, but she became a hero to women and the sympathetic you know, did she become a hero to someone that would have liked Louie? Probably not, you know? And so I'm just wondering like, when will we get some women heroes? And, and when will I get to, you know, so I wrote a tweet thread about, about all this kind of stuff. And it was really interesting what happened this time around, because I was saying the same stuff I've been saying since 2012 on Twitter, when I was screaming like a lunatic guys Twitter is a different world for women, just like the world is. And we are getting harassed on here. And you guys are talking about Harry Potter or game of Thrones or whatever new thing you guys talk about. And they would be like, even comedy guys. I knew not, not even comedy guys, like especially comedy guys. I knew would be like, they secretly DM me and say, Oh, you know, fuck the haters. And, you know, just don't give their trolls. And I'm like, no, no, this is what life is like. Now you're just seeing it on the internet. And I felt crazy always speaking out about sexism. I felt like I was the only one. Even other women weren't joining in and I don't fucking blame them. And this time I put out the thread and I just, you know, kind of fell asleep watching my HGTV. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and I checked my Twitter with a pain in my gut. Like here comes the harassment. And it was just, I got like thousands of new followers in hours and Kathy Griffin was like, I got your back. I've never, I mean, I met her once for five minutes years ago in Chelsea. I don't even think she knew when we met that I was a comic, you know, and, um, she obviously knows me now. And she was like, I got your back at Judd Apatow, who I know hates me retweeted, like, this is an important thread. And all these people that are taken seriously as people were taking me seriously. And then other women were telling their stories. And I just felt not alone anymore. It was like, it took six years of screaming on the internet to not feel alone. And it was great. But then, of course, the offers come in. Glamour Magazine wants to talk to you. This wants to talk to you. And it's like, Glamour Magazine should want to talk to me anyway. Like, I'm a fucking fashionable comedian and I have really funny stories that would appeal to their readers, you know? And they didn't, they only wanted me to talk more about the thread I already wrote. I'm like, but I already wrote it. So that's where you can see it. And then the Boston Globe picked up the thread. That I wrote and then completely reframed it and made it about how imperfectly I handled my harassment over the past six years. And they're like, Needham native Jen Kirkman said Louis C.K. affected her career negatively, which I never fucking said. I never said that because he didn't. What affected my career and I said this very plainly in my threads, is that I am screaming about sexism on Twitter, which does not make me look funny, but I have a duty to do that. And when I don't look funny on Twitter, I probably sell less tickets. So I'm sure overall sexism and me talking about it has impacted my ticket sales. You would think it would act the other way, but women don't just go rally around a woman that they've seen on Twitter, like screaming about stuff. I mean, maybe they do, but they were going to see me anyway. It doesn't add new people. And so, or it takes away enough that even those you add, it just all breaks even, you know? So that's all I was saying. But of course they did that. And then they like kind of listed all the things that like, she writes on Marvelous Ms. Maisel and she has a Netflix special. So I don't know how her career is impacted. I'm like, I didn't fucking say it was. That's why you dick. So they like put me on trial for something they said I said, and then disproved it. I'm like, oh, forget it. But Louis from Newton, which is the town next to mine. So when the Boston Globe do an article called Newton Native gets back on stage after admitting to ruining the careers of women, you know, like, fuck you all. So my point though, is things are getting better. Um, because I, well, they're getting different. Let's just say that because the women are getting louder and you are not seen as crazy anymore. If you speak out, people are actually letting it be or listening. Does that make sense? And we still have the same crazy people that are like, fuck you. You're just trying to And I have an album coming out in two months and I have just called off half of my press that I'm going to do for it because of this, because I am not going to get asked anything except stuff about Louie. And even though I'll say no comment, the headline will be Jen, no comment Louie and not Jen's just keep living album is out. It was a Netflix special. Now it's an album. There's a bonus commentary track. That's not going to be the headline. And so I call on all of you in my album to comes out to buy it and support it and get it to number one on iTunes without the press. Cause this is another reason it impacts my career. I will now not do press for it. I'll do some, what we call friendly press with people that I know are not going to ask me that shit. But unfortunately those people have like the smallest reach ever. So, um, yeah. So that's how you can support women is actually buying their fucking work and elevating us you know, and, it, and it's, it, it, sort of ties in, but it doesn't with, um, I don't, what's his name? The guy from the Cosby show that played Elvin, um, with like, he's working at Trader Joe's and I thought it was interesting how many people rallied around him. I thought it was great. Um, and yeah, and it's so funny. So it's like, you know, he was Elvin on the Cosby show. One of the most unfortunate characters. I mean, I don't know if there could have been, a less fun character than him. But I feel if I could stomach watching the Cosby show now, I would go back. Cause I always thought the Elvin and Sandra episodes were like such a bummer. Oh God, these two drips. But I get now that like the comedic device was that they were supposed to be drips compared to their kind of more dynamic jazzy family. But maybe I'd see the humor in it now. Um, But then I was like, Oh, and so You know, they're like Cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch. Oh, God. But sometimes when you write a character that's supposed to be a drippy downer, like they end up just making you feel like you're encountering a drippy downer. (laughs) So anyway, but. So he's on there for five years, and I honestly, you could tell me he's a millionaire from the residuals or he got zero. Both would be uh, possible, probably closer to zero than a millionaire. And then it's like, yeah, he might not have worked again. You know, he might, I don't know. But it sounds like a lot of people online were saying, um... so basically, if you don't know the story, the actor that played Elvin from the Cosby show is now, what, in his 60s, and he's was photographed working at a Trader Joe's. And it was on Fox News, and they were like, you know, dirty uniform, which somebody wrote on Twitter. Well, that's what uniforms are for, to get dirty, so you don't dirty your clothes. So it's not it's not a slight on him. You got your uniform dirty. It's like that's why I'm wearing a uniform cuz I'm going to get dirty cuz I'm dealing with dirty vegetables. So he uh I guess all these people when when the picture was going around, they were shaming Fox News like, you know, you can't have it both ways. You call everyone Hollywood elite, and then when someone in Hollywood is actually also working class, like and it brought up a great thing that I think people need to know is that most of show business, like any business is full of working class people, you know, <clears throat> not even knowing what their salary is going to be in a given year. And even if you made a ton of money one year, like having to live as though you didn't, cause you don't know when you're going to work again, or you mainly only make 20 grand one year or whatever. And I think people be like, somebody thought I was rich once because of drunk history. I was like, that pays $500, like not joking. It's, it's considered like, um, you know, like when you go on Conan or a late night show, you get anywhere between like four to 900 for the appearance dollars. It's like considered a guest spot, you know? And that same with drunk history, it was like cable guest, you know, the, the reason that the, the Colbert might pay more than Conan is because of it's on network. So, um, yeah. And my appearances on Chelsea were $400 each. The money I made was for the writing, you know, but, um, most people didn't even know I wrote on that show. So they're like, Oh, you're set for life. Cause you appeared on Chelsea. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's $400 every two weeks. So, um, but with drunk history, it was like, yeah, it was like 500 bucks. You get like, you know, there's residuals that you get. Like I get a check for $35 every once in a while, you know, um, yeah I've probably made more in residuals on drunk history than I did the original thing, but again, it's like a thousand dollars a year, maybe, maybe, maybe six hundred a year on residuals, not even, maybe four hundred so anyway, um it's just yeah, you know, so people were like, I saw him on an episode of blah blah this year. He shouldn't be working at Trader Joe's. It's like, no, he made a thousand dollars that day, people, and then. We can you live on a thousand dollars a year? You know, so I think a lot of people had this attitude of, well, he blew all his money. It's like, no, the money was not there to begin with. Well, how could it not have been? He's on TV. It's like TV is not a get rich quick scheme, you know. There are seven billion channels. It's just a different world, you know, uh now. And um, no pun intended to the spin off a different world. But anyway, I thought it was an interesting discussion. But the part of the discussion I hated was everyone was like, This is an honest man working an honest job to put food on the table for his family? I'm like, all right, calm down. What if first of all, do we know he has a family? I don't know, but let's say he didn't have a family. What if he was working to put food in his own mouth and only in his own mouth? Would he be less honorable? Like I hate when people always have to add for their family. It's like, yes, yeah, some of us don't have our own families, and are am I like a terrible selfish person because I'm not putting some I mean, I help out people as they need it who are in my life, but yeah, I don't have like a dependent. Um, but I, I just hate that thing of like, this is an honest job for a family man. It's like it'd also be fine if it was just him. Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, oh, so I woke up at 6 a.m. on my birthday at 6.15 AM. And it was just like this bolt, like this jolt, you know, like it's someone to give me an electric shock. And I was like, Ugh! and that's the time I was born, 6.15 AM. So I'm wondering, it's happened to me before. I'm wondering if it's our, in our DNA that, um, like in our body, you know how they say like the trauma of like like if you're in the Holocaust, like, you, I mean, not you, but if your grandparents were, you know, the trauma can be actually physically passed down in our DNA. Like is the, the, not even the trauma of being born, but just the experience of being born. Is that in our DNA? And we still wake up at the same time. Cause I was on East coast time and I was born on the East coast. So I'm just putting it out there for our scientists. Am I, am I onto something here? Am I onto something? Does anyone have any personal knowledge of this? I suppose I could look it up, but if anyone has any personal knowledge, I seem fun at gmail.com. Let me know. Um Hey, you know what? I'll give I'll give the men a break today. It's been a tough day for men. I've got a story about being on a plane where a woman woman explained to me. Um so I'm getting I'm on a plane first class. What? No big deal. Now that is a perk sometimes of of uh being on a TV show sometimes you fly first class if the production pays for it. Again, I fly so much. I have my points. I just don't want anyone to think I'm blowing two grand in first class. Cause I, I'm not that stupid, but, um, anyway, so I'm in the first in the class and I get on the plane and I wear my circulation socks because I am terrified of blood clots. And also I just get kind of crampy legs if I don't. So woman on the plane next to me, you know, you get your little kit, And I was going to sleep. This was a red eye flight. So I put on my socks and she looks at me and she said, oh, you're smart to bring your own socks. And I said, well, then I thought, well, who doesn't wear socks? I mean, I know that's like a style to not wear socks, but it's not like, oh my God, how did you think to bring that piece of clothing that's essential to most everyday wardrobes? You know? So I said, oh yeah, I always bring them their circulation socks. And she goes, they hand them out on the plane though. And I said, they hand out circulation socks. I go, wow, I don't normally fly United first class. This is, that's so cool. I'm like, she's like, she was just staring at me because she said, I said, well, these are special circulation socks. And she said, they hand them out on the plane though. So that's her fault that I'm thinking they hand out circulation socks on the plane. What she said was a direct answer to me saying, these are special circulation socks. They hand them out on the plane though, that that would imply they hand out circulation socks on the plane. So now I'm going, wow, that's so cool. So she thinks I'm reacting to that they hand out socks at all. And she's like, they have always handed out socks. I go, no, you're not listening. Mine are circulation socks. They're a special kind of sock that you buy. That circulates the blood in your legs during a flight, so that you don't get swollen ankles, and it's for blood clot prevention. And she's like, "Oh, so she's never heard of a circulation sock?" And she goes, "Well, it's still pretty smart to bring them." I'm like, "Well, yeah, I mean, it's smart, but it's part of like my ritual." She goes, "Yeah, but they do. They. I just wanted you to know you'll get a pair of socks." I'm like, "I know, but what, so men, you're not the only ones." acting weird to women out there. Some women are doing it too. But I would say that is the first and only time <laughs> that's happened. So don't pat yourselves too hot on they back, okay? Oh my god, I have so many listener emails. I didn't get to any of them. Um I will read this woman. Poor thing she said, no, I'm not going to get into it. I liked this article about um, napping. Is there, how long is a nap supposed to be? So here's your little life advice at the end of the episode. Um, This is on lifehacker.com. Taking a nap, we've seen time and again, is like rebooting your brain, but napping may be as much of an art as it is a science. The Wall Street Journal offers recommendations for planning your perfect nap, including how long to nap and when. The sleep experts in the article say a 10 to 20 minute power nap gives you the best bang for your buck, but depending on what you want the nap to do for you, other durations might be ideal. For a quick boost of alertness, experts say a 10 to 20 minute power nap is adequate for getting back to work in a pinch. I just, that's never worked for me. Once I'm asleep, it's got to be hours. Um, For cognitive memory processing, however, a 60 minute nap may do more good, including slow wave sleep helps with remember. Slow wave sleep helps with remembering facts, places, and faces. The downside, some grogginess upon waking. If I'm asleep for five minutes, one hour, nine hours, I'm always groggy when I wake up. Even if I get a good night's sleep, I wake up like, oh, and I don't know if that's a dehydration or I have sleep apnea or it's just like, welcome back to the world. No. Um, Finally, the 90-minute nap will likely involve a full cycle of sleep, which aids creativity and emotional and procedural memory so just learning how to ride a bike. Waking up after our REM sleep usually means a minimal amount of sleep inertia. In addition to those recommendations, one surprising suggestion is to sit slightly upright during your nap because it will help you avoid a deep sleep. Yes. And I've heard also if you lay on your left side, you'll go into a deep sleep. If you lay on your right side, it's a good nap side because you'll, you'll always stay like a little bit alert. And um, and if you find yourself dreaming during your power naps, it may be a sign that you're sleep deprived. While you're planning your nap, don't forget to take it. Don't forget to time it during the right time of day as well. So there's a quiz you can take. Of course, it's not opening right now. Hang on one second. I'm going to find it. How long to nap? And I'm going to put the quiz on facebook.com slash I seem fun and blah, 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 blah but um yeah calculate your nap why am i digging a quiz on a podcast because that's how she does that's how we do calculate the best time to nap oh an interactive nap wheel i can't do that over the i can't do that over the thing but um the ideal napping time is the point in the day when rem and slow wave sleep cross if you wake up at 7 a.m., aim for a 2 p.m. nap. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2. So it seems like seven hours of being awake is is what they would say. Uh, that's my little science. So I will put the link to all that on the uh, Twitter page at I Fun Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook.com slash I Fun Podcast as well. If you want to find out when you should be napping, And oh my God, I mean, really, where else are you going to get so much information about everything? Until next week, have fun.